Hello, John Marshall Jr. Hello, Eric Feltus. Mmm, it's so good to see your face. It's so good to see you. Um, y'all, right before we started recording, uh, John Marshall Jr., and I don't always call him that, but my aunt, my Aunt Kim still <laughs> will call you John Marshall Jr. Um, Most people do. Yeah, and we talk on Marco Polo all the time, but to see you in person and to get like real live feedback from you, it's it's almost like, it's going from like, it's almost like seeing a celebrity. Like it's well. a different energy. <laughs> You're a celebrity to me. Thank you. I'll, I'll say the same about you, actually. Yeah, oh, that's what I. That's the only reason I said that was because I wanted mm-hmm. you to hear. I wanted to hear the, the same words back to me. <laughs> yes, and. Hello, my friends. Eric Feltus here, life coach, speaker, actor, and host of The Great Unbecoming. This is a show about stories of unlearning. What did you let go of in order to become the person you are today? And what did you gain and learn as well? This is a show about letting go of stories that no longer serve us and stepping into our own authenticity. It's about unbecoming what society says you should be and remembering who you are and who you are meant to be. So sit back, relax, and welcome to The Great Unbecoming. Y'all, we're being so rude, John. We have an audience here. I need to introduce you to my guest, John Marshall Jr., uh, who is an actor, director, choreographer, and barber in Chicago, Illinois. He's worked in Chicago theaters like Drury Lane Theater, Paramount Theater, Marriott Theater, Chicago Shakespeare Theater, Theater at the Center, and Porchlight Music Theater, among many others. This past year, he has been behind the table more, directing and choreographing while continuing to cut hair. Uh, John is thrilled to be back in conversation with Eric Feltis to flesh out some of the reasons why 2023 has been such a dense year. Oh my gosh, everyone is so glued to their seat now because they can't wait to hear why. Uh, Well, you know, I've told you this before. You more than any, like if there were like an award that like if my family were to vote like a People's Choice Award for favorite ex-boyfriend, you would you would win. <laughs> and I have I have I have some other wonderful ex-boyfriends, but I know you do. I know you call do. me Taylor Swift. <laughs> but you, my God, my dad still talks about your laugh. My my sister, who literally you've never met, is so excited about your wedding. I've totally and met Leanne. I've totally when did you met meet Leanne. her? When? So at your parents' house one time they were oh. she was in town with the with the girls. Mm. There wasn't there wasn't a boy at the time. Yeah. At the time my sister had three kids and now she has four. Um my mistake. You met her, but obviously you made a good impression because she still talks about you. And when um your mother passed away, she immediately called how is how is John? How is he doing? I'm like, I haven't talked to him yet. I think he's going through his as you said, a very dense year, but um, everyone loves you. And um, I think that that just shows so much, so so much about your character and you as a human being. So I love having this conversation, being able to reflect on us and our past relationship, where we're at now and what you've been going through this year. So it's an honor to have you. And I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad too. When you, when you thought it might be a possibility, I was, I was, really tickled at the whole idea. I think it's, it's always really nice to chat with you, but yeah, this will, 
like you said earlier, I'm normally Marco Polo, so it'll be fun to do it in real time. I know, yeah. and see like reactions <laughs> in real time. It's funny, I use Marco Polo. For anyone that doesn't know, Marco Polo is an app that you can use to, you can send each other video messages, but you don't get responses right away. I love using Marco Polo for people back home um, in Chicago like John, because we have busy schedules, different time zones, we don't talk on the phone, but we can keep in touch knowing that we're gonna get back when we can. But I also use Marco Polo with my clients. And one reason I use it with my clients is because they hate it. <laughs> because when we're talking about processing and deep emotions and difficult things, we expect the person on the other end to validate us and to nod and to say that they hear and see us. With something like Marco Polo, it challenges that because you're not getting the validation right away. One thing that a lot of my clients struggle with is people pleasing. I need, I need to make sure other people feel uh, comfortable, even if I feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to cater my behaviors, my isms to match whatever they're comfortable with. We need to get out of that habit. We have been shrinking ourselves as queer boys, as kids, to, in order for other people to take up more space in their privilege. And so Marco Polo is a way to move through that discomfort. You're not going to see the validation or experience from someone else. I don't know about you, John, but for me, when I first started using Marco Polo, it was so uncomfortable because I wasn't getting that reaction. I was second guessing like everything I was saying and everything I was doing. Well, I feel like with, I feel like so many people started using it during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was great. And I've reconnected with a bunch of people, you being one of them that way. And, but it is funny. I definitely remember kind of in the, in the beginning, I absolutely re-recorded a few Oh, yeah. So oh, like, yeah. I cannot send that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's funny because we've been so, our relationship is so dependent on Marco Polo that now it feels foreign <laughs> again to have like real life interactions. Um, okay. So, enough of that. We've moved through the discomfort of that. So, I want to talk about how we met. I remember I was, I want to say I was 27 at the time, mm -hmm. and you were a server at, why can't I not, Fie, not Fiesta? What's the name of the restaurant? Diaz Tequila. Tequila. That's right, Diaz Tequila. Fiesta Cantina is an, sort of what I feel like an LA parallel to that, but okay. Fiesta Cantina, and it was my birthday party. I think I was 27, and do you remember this? It, oh my God, yes. And <laughs> I had a diva-themed party where everyone that came had to wear a shirt as with a, a picture of their favorite diva on it. Because here's the thing, y'all, some gay history, some gay science, as they would say. There is a point in every gay boy's <laughs> life where the spirit of a diva intertwines with your soul and never lets go. Um, I don't use the word spirit animal. I think that's appropriation. So this is the gay version. Um, my <laughs> diva, <laughs> my diva is Shakira. And everyone that came to my party had a different diva, which was fun and not planned out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and John Marshall was our server, and it was a great conversation starter. We asked you who your favorite diva was, also not present at the table, and it is who? Christina Aguilera. And I didn't hold it against you, because I liked you. <laughs> Most people do. It's okay, but I, I stand by it. I stand by it. Mm. But your friend, if I remember correctly... Because I'm from Tennessee, you know my uh, your friend. I want to say Adam, but I'm not 110 percent. Wore a Dolly Parton shirt for his mm -hmm. diva. Yeah, it was, was Adam. Like, we had a good group. We had a good group. We had, <laughs> of course, Brittany was there. Shakira, of course, now Christina Aguilera, Dolly Parton. I want to say Shania Twain was there. I think Yugesh was Shania Twain. It was a great group, and it's a great conversation starter. Um, 
Okay, so that's how we met. And then we started hanging out. And then what ha- I mean, then I guess we were in a relationship. <laughs> I don't know what else. To well, say. we did. We did. We did. Oh, we did peace players. players. That's right. You so, should talk about that. I bet you've never mentioned it. I have not. Um, but I do want to interview Cindy Gavin. Wouldn't that be a good one? It would. Yeah. I'll let, I'll send it to you after it, it airs. So I was a part of I'll never of this. forget. I'll never forget. And I feel like <laughs> she would not be embarrassed because she said it so point blank, but I'll just never remember meeting her first day. And she was like, forgive me. I have some gout. <laughs> She's just very some. honest. She's just, just a little some. bit. Just a taste yeah. of it. Listen, uh, we, she's, Cindy Gavin, if you're listening, we love you. We love you. Love you. Cindy Gavin knew I was gay before I knew I was gay because I started Peace Players with her when I was engaged to a woman. So she saw uh, she with my fiance at the time was my partner in crime for this Peace Players camp. And, <laughs> and then it was John. Um, but <laughs> Peace Players is a camp in was a camp in a, on the east side of Aurora. It was a two week camp. Um, with a very organic process where the kids had a lot of say in what the end result performance would look like. And it was a way for us to explore what peace meant through different um, art modalities and performance modalities. And <clears throat> I, it's something that I had done a couple of years with uh, my girlfriend slash fiance at the time. She and I broke up. I came out of the closet. A couple years later, I moved to Chicago. John and I um, met and we were just friends at the time. And I knew that I needed a partner to do this camp with. And I don't know how I knew, probably just because we were friends, I guess, but I knew that you were a very talented singer, choreographer, dancer, and I thought you'd be a really good counterpart. And we had so much fun that summer. We did. It was emotional. There, it, was, it was a <laughs> lot of work, but God, what a great way to like, God, I feel like most people I date, not all, but a lot of people I date are like through apps, which is fine, but it's kind of like, you don't know what you're getting really. And to be able to be friends with someone first and, and, and to see them with kids and to see them in an organizational role like this was like such a good way to start a relationship. And we had so much fun. We did. And it felt, you know, I think special because I don't know, you hear about people work, you know a show mats turning into something long-term or you hear about people, you know, kind of like, you know, office room dramas and things like that. But this was kind of the best of both worlds. Like we weren't fully like doing like, it wasn't a show mats though. It was a creative environment. It was just very much like we were working together creatively. And I feel like for two creative people to get to know each other that way was kind of really I think it's a big step forward versus being like, should we get coffee? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we yeah. choreograph a dance instead? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Seasons of Love <laughs> or something. I don't remember the songs we used. Listen, I know you and I both cried at some point. For the, for, it was beautiful, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so much fun. Um, so then we were in – how long were we in a relationship? I want to say a year. A year. Okay, good. I was like, I'm not too off. And <laughs> so that was a, what, 10 years? Oh my God, that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so we, interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, we shouldn't have, we should have said how old we were at the beginning. Of I this. was going to say. So people can't do it. People are going to do math now. Damn it. <laughs> well, I said how old I am. You are. I remember. 
I don't remember how many <laughs> years younger than me you are, but you are younger than me. And so I was 27 at the time. When did you start? Now you can say your age. It's too late. Well, I'm you were 30, 22? I, ju- I just turned 32. So I was 22 when we met. Yeah. Okay. I remember <laughs> like on our first, I think it was maybe like our first official date. We talked about ages and you saw like the blood rush out of my face because I realized how much older I was at that time. No, right. not a big deal. And you go, I feel like your heart just fell out of your ass. <laughs> right. And Patrick, my fiance is 38. So mm-hmm. you like really, him older, a, John. That's that's a good year for me, apparently. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like age gaps are so common in the gay community. And I think one reason, again, that's not that big of an age gap, but I think one reason is because we all sort of come out at different points in our life. And oh. I think that when you begin the coming out process, it, it, it puts you on a different trajectory as far as maturity and experience. And so while I was ahead of the game in certain areas because of my age, because of my career, and you, we met when you were in college, you had been out for much longer than me. So in a way, it kind of balanced each other out. At least that's how I felt, at least then and now. For sure. For sure. And it was, it's so funny because I've told you this before, but I credit you with being like, John set an alarm. (laughs) Like I had some like growing, you you were like some years ahead of me as far as like being an adult and you owned a house and all of the, all of this stuff. But I was like, again, in gay years older. So it was like, we kind of met each other for a a nice medium year there. Yeah. And but John, that's, you know me, that's how I've always been. I've always kind of been a workhorse, <laughs> even when I was like six. So <laughs> that didn't change. I live by my lists and by, by my alarms and my goals. I thought you were going to say by your wits. I lived by my wits. No, that's you. <laughs> so, <All> right, maybe. <laughs> so the relationship was great. Obviously, a lot of good. And then I also remember in our relationship, it brought out so much of my insecurity. Um, we don't have to touch too much on this, but I think you and I have talked about this before. I look back at that time and I was like, my God, I really let insecurity and unnecessary jealousy run. Like I look at that chapter in my life as like, oh, thank God I've grown. (laughs) And thank God John and I can laugh and talk about it now. (laughs) But I say that because audience, if you think like, I'll whatever, like if a relationship ends, Give it 10 years. <laughs> like, you never know. Maybe you'll be friends again. Um, well, and there's something to be said for that, too. I do think, I mean, we definitely didn't talk. We reconnected via Marco Polo in the pandemic. But before that, it had been at least five years since we, and again, it was amicable, but we weren't keeping up with each other. But for a long time until we reconnected via Marco Polo. Shout well, out, Marco Polo. Get a sponsor. Marco Polo. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> um. That's so funny you said get a sponsor, Marco Polo, Marco Polo, because I'm pretty sure this is going to go up before you. I There's a two-part episode where I talk to my good friend Megan Reardon, who lost her friend to suicide. And we're talking about shortly before her friend um, passed away, we did a birthday trip for Megan to Margaritaville in Palm Springs. And I'm like, Megan, Margaritaville is like the straightest place in Palm Springs that exists. <laughs> and she talked about Marco Polo, or she talked about Margaritaville so much and said that they, they should be your sponsor. I'm like, no, it, I, I can't go hetero with my sponsors. Um, Marco Polo is a little gayer. <laughs> it is a little gayer. Yeah. Okay. So, Yes. And, and I think sometimes time apart after a breakup, you know, right, wrong or indifferent is can be a really healthy thing. 
and we've connected. And I think we've both over the last three years on Marco Polo gotten really close. Um, I love you and Patrick. I am so excited. I don't want to give it away, but you guys are getting married. I just gave it away. You're getting married very soon, like a couple, like a week after this podcast comes out, which is super <laughs> exciting. Um, and it's just been fun. It's been so fun to to be friends because I also feel, I'm just thinking about this out loud, that there's a reason two people are together, especially when they're together for, well, time doesn't really matter, but a year is a significant time. And so just because two people don't need to be romantic um, partners doesn't mean they that there wasn't something special that they had that can be preserved later. And that's one thing I'm recognizing in my life is I value that. I value that vulnerable connection, particularly with other gay men. I think it's really important <clears throat> to have. Well, and I think too, like for particularly gay men, like the I feel like the lines are so much more blurred, which I think is... I know confusing off the bat, but at the same time, I think overall really great where it's, you know, you can have a sexual relationship with somebody and an intimate relationship with somebody. And then that it, I, I feel like the door is more open to redefine what that looks like. Whereas like, I don't know if everyone feels the same freedom to do that, you know? Mm, God, you're mm. <clears throat> okay. So this reminds me of a story. I'm going to try to leave names out of it, but. <laughs> it involves family and there was like a big celebration. I won't say what it was, but there's a big thing and a lot like it wasn't a wedding, but like 300 people were there. And <laughs> my dad was telling me a story of a relative who, who ran into someone at the party that they had slept with, like after a wedding, like 15 years ago. And that it was so awkward because they both have families now. And here I'm, and they saw each other and they, they slept together once 15 years ago. And here I'm like, What's, what's the weird, where's the weird part? When does it get weird? Because in, in the gay world, like, A, we make up a lot, like, very much smaller part of the population. And B, <laughs> we've probably slept with more people than straight people sleep with. So it's like, <laughs> I don't understand what the conflict is. You slept together and then what? Like, what happened after that? Oh, that's the conflict. Right. That's nothing. That's a typical Tuesday <laughs> for me. <clears throat> Sorry, <Exactly>. mom. <laughs> Hi, Pam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's loving this right now. She loves when yeah. I call her out, especially after I say something awkward like that, too. <laughs> my mom and my dad watch these because this will be on all places people can listen to podcasts and also YouTube. My parents like watch it on their big screen TV. So hi, mom and dad. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> okay, so time goes by and it's been a dense year for you. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to start. Um. Um, I don't even know what happened first. I think you, you, oh no, I do know what happened first. You got, when did you get engaged? Let's start there. Um, in September of last year, we have some friends who are, um, cruise with JJ, follow them on YouTube. Um, but they're our good friends, Jordan and Jared, who, um, are kind of full-time cruise vloggers, but they started out, um, you know, in the arts in Chicago. And that's how we met before they kind of went on this whole travel journey. So they, took us on a cruise to Alaska. And I was like, well, we're in Alaska. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been. I grew up on a mountain. I love the mountains, all that. And um, I was like, all right, well, now's the time. So I kept a, a ring in my the pocket of my raincoat for like six months because I knew mm. I'd be wearing it that day. And wow. then... That's um, bold. <laughs> well, don't, don't lose it. And Patrick, for some reason, like doesn't... He's a against raincoats so i knew he'd never touch it <laughs> hilarious so, so it's the perfect 
perfect um, hiding spot. But anyway, we got engaged in September, and then um, and you've been together for eight years, almost eight, nine years. Um, yeah, almost eight years. <clears throat> yeah. Also an um, actor. Also an actor, director. Very same. Podcaster. It's so funny because podcaster. We're very different, but we have a we do a lot of the same things, which is interesting. But mm-hmm. um, um. Anyway, got engaged, and then you know did Christmas, family Christmas, and all things like that. And then my we started playing the wedding. My mom came up in March for her birthday and Patrick's birthday, which were the same week, March twenty mm, second and twenty seventh, right. right. And they came up and we picked out wedding flowers. We had like a really beautiful weekend. And then um, she went home on Monday and didn't wake up Tuesday morning. Hmm. And I remember. Yeah. So that was kind of the start of a lot of um, (laughs) different things for the year. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember getting Marco Polos from you saying that your mom was there and you were having such a good time and you were planning the wedding. And I remember seeing photos. I remember a specific photo I remember is your mom and Patrick hugging um, from that, that weekend. And then he, mm-hmm. he was in a show at the time. So she came mm-hmm. to see that and they had their birthdays together. It was really, really nice. Yeah. And special. And then I, I don't know how to put words to this, but it's like, you know, that, you know, that death, death is inevitable for everyone. But it also something doesn't feel like it's inevitable for the people in your life. At least that's how I feel. Um, and so when I saw that, I thought, no, she was just here. She was just in Chicago. That can't. That can't be. Um, can you talk? About, I'd love. To, I know Sorry, how special Eric, your mom is. I want. I want to give you space to talk about her. You, Tell us about your mom. But I kind of missed a little bit of what you just said. <clears throat> Say it again. You lost me. Uh, I did. Just oh, kind of he's frozen. Uh oh. Are you with me? Are you I'm th- with are you, now. you there now. Can you hear me? Yeah. You Can know you what's funny? Now? I don't know if yeah. this is going to happen when we listen, <laughs> but the thing about Riverside, where I record these, is it takes all of your video and audio and it puts it on your computer and mine on my computer, and then it transfers over to me. Um, mm-hmm. So very possible when we listen to the playback, we will hear both of us <laughs> just like talking over, but not hearing each other. But we're here now. We're back. Hey. Maybe uh, that was your mom but, being like, hello, I'm here. Just ask me. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But um, anyway, sorry, say the last, like, I don't know, yeah. three, three sentences you said. Your mom is such a special woman, and I want the audience to know more about her. Tell us about your mom. Uh, my mom, yeah, she was the best. Um, I'm very, I feel very much an extension of, of her and my dad, too. I kind of got all of their very... Um, Southern extroverted qualities, and um, she was just really wonderful. She really, she's one of the most like caring people I ever knew, and uh, I, I, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because she is someone who I think really found a lot of purpose when she had children. You know, yeah. she yeah. met my dad in college, and then like, yeah, quit college to like get married and have <clears throat> kids and do the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um. But I think found a lot of purpose, like as a mother, and that really was kind of where her strength lied for hmm. so many years. And it's weird to think about it now because I think, um, I don't know, she died at 57. Hmm. And um, 
it's weird. I feel like things happen at 60 and everyone's like, okay, I'm in the, I'm in the last third of my life. Right. 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 And um, I think my dad had just retired and I think they were kind of warming up for this next chapter because I think this middle chapter for her post not raising kids anymore um, has been, was like a little tough. And I think she felt a little lost and, um, my dad was so funny. He was asking, he was like, do you think she was happy? Hmm. And I was like, I think she, I think she was happy, but I think the reason he's asking that is at all is because we both know that she hadn't really found her like <clears throat> purpose again. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's funny. I think about kind of like a lot of what your mission statement is and kind of like, I don't know. Um, figuring things out for yourself and finding vitality in life and living really fully. You know what I mean? I think is a lot of like what people are trying to do in their own lives. And that's why they want to talk, talk to people like you. And um, I just, it, it's scary and sad to think that like, she just missed it and she didn't Mm. get to like do that. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And And that's not to say, I was just going to say, and it's weird. A lot, a lot of the like comfort, comforting words that people are using was like, she was just in Chicago. She knows Patrick. My brother got married. And I think for a mom of a certain generation, it's important to see her kids like have a partner and be happy and doing what they want to do. And she did get to see all of that. She was just with us. And in a way she'll be a part of the wedding because she helped plan some of it. And yeah. Um, yeah, so there is absolutely so much more than glass half full outlook to have here. But um I don't know. I'm a little I've you know, I'm a I'm a four five months out now and it's easy to I'm a little past that. <laughs> so where yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, where I'm kind of thinking about big picture a little more and um my dad certainly is and it's yeah, it's just it's it's and it's interesting how people deal with that. Where like some of my family has responded like, "I'm working out all the time. I don't want to have a sudden heart attack. Um, I'm doing this. I'm being very proactive." And other and um, other people in the family are like <laughs> drinking more and not doing well and doing. You know, mm. it's just like kind of all <laughs> over the map as far as how people are responding to it. You know, and four to five months. It's important to say is nothing. It's no it's time. nothing. So to, to, yeah. to have you on as a guest when we're discussing grief during this series is, I think, valid and important. But you and I could also have another podcast in a year, two years, five years, 10 years. And I think that there are different seasons of grief that we all will discover. So it's important to know, mm-hmm. listeners, that it's four months. It's been four months. Um, John, can I talk to you about what it's the experience has been like for you in regards to other people's reactions. Uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned, yeah, people will say like she was just there. And so I'm just curious, like there's never a right or wrong thing to say, but I'd love to hear what it's, what it's been like for you to hear other people react. Cause I feel like grief is and death is something that makes people so highly uncomfortable. And oftentimes I feel we try to avoid the discomfort or don't know what to say. So I'm just curious from your end, what is, what's, what's it been like with people holding space for you or not holding space for you? 
Uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is um, it, whether or not you knew her. Because if you knew her, one of the most comforting things to me, and I I've, I've truly have felt very supported in the, these last few months and, um, and, and lucky in that regard. But one of the things that stands out is like kind of the way that feels good to honor her is like I want to talk about her and I want to mm. um, say how great she was or even how not great she was in some regard. You know, it's just like it feels good to kind of talk about her. And um, it keeps her close, which I know is just like part of where I am. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. But as far as like what people say, I don't know. It's just for me, it's like say something thoughtful or I don't think you have to say anything. And if you're mm. uncomfortable, that's a, um, uh, and if you're uncomfortable, I think literally just uh thinking of you and what's so funny is the people I know I know as it turns out lots of people have lost their mom prematurely and yeah. um or just in general and a lot of those people have reached out and that language is very relaxed mm. which is interesting mm. where it's where it's like just thinking of you sending you positive vibes if there's something genuine that like a family member or someone who really knew my mom has to say that's always really lovely. I do think like people have like made pro proclamations about my mom that I wish my mom would have heard because mm. they're so beautiful. And I don't yeah. think my mom knew how fondly people thought of her. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so those are really beautiful. And I'm like, and it's so weird. We had this small reception and her, I'm like her funeral should have been five hours long and everyone should have said everything they wanted to say. Because that's hmm. what I felt like we were a little bit robbed of that because of, you know, she was cremated and we had a thing in Tennessee with her kind of like my dad's friends and Signal Mountain people. And then we did a small thing in Bowling Green where she's from. And that's what really everyone wanted to come to. But my grandmother really only kept it to her and her friends. And that's another story. But, um, but she, but, uh, <clears throat> But that was just a choice made because Grand Mary didn't want to have to see all of these people and comfort them on the worst day of her life. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, so I totally understand. And you can't rank grief. And I've told you this. I'm derailing mm -hmm. a little here, but I'm going to say No, it. go. You can't r rank grief. But it's so weird because it's absolutely the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But yeah. at the end of the day, my dad is who's home alone right now yeah. and then my grandmother is the thing is the person experiencing the thing you're never supposed to experience hmm. so it's i try to have a lot of grace with them but it's also like kind of hard to fathom hmm. and and it's weird to think that and i i'm not putting words in my grandmother's mouth she has said this to my uncle who's related to me so i guess it's second third hand but um but I, I think when you outlive your daughter and in your and you're in medium health and you are at the end of life, I think there's a big mental thing that happens where it's like, what am I doing here? Hmm. I'm like outliving my children and and that's not on Grand Mary. I want Grand Mary to live to be 110 and I think she might, but <laughs> but but 
it's interesting, like the shifts that everyone is going through as far as like how, what their relationship to their own existence is, because there's mm. now this huge hole in the family, in the room. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's so beautifully said. It's so messy. You know, I've said this on this podcast before that, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't compare grief because everyone's grief is the worst grief because it's yours and it's what you've experienced. I don't know if you have an answer for this, John. How in, in that in that tension between everyone's different processes, how do you hold space for all of it and also take care of yourself? That is a great question. <laughs> Should be, or are we still working my, through it? Maybe, yeah. I th- I think the the answer is definitely still working through it, but um, yeah. I don't know. It's easy for me. Gosh, someone sent me something. I'll send this to you because it was so beautiful. Um, And this was another, someone lost their mom. Didn't say anything lovely, just said, this really helped me and sent me a link. Mm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, basically the gist of it was um, the best thing that this person could do. And it's advice to someone else. Hold on. I'm like, I keep wanting to say it's Brene Brown, but it's not. Um, uh, but the best thing you can do is, and this just resonated with me, was like all of the love that you have generating in you for your lost person is like the most therapeutic thing you can do is to give it to everyone else. Mm. Mm. And I just thought that was really nice. And, it, you know, and I've caught myself, and this is the Southern lady in me coming out too sometimes, but I've caught myself like someone's cat dies. Someone has COVID. It's like I'm, I'm like there with the casserole and like doing all the hmm. stuff that like kind of my mom would do. And yeah, um, but but what that is is, it, and it's funny because I think externally it makes me look very nice, but really it's total therapy for me because it's like me putting this love I have for my mom towards other people, which also I think is a lovely way to honor her if i could tell her that i think she would be like well that's really nice oh so well said john and your mom was such a good cook i don't know how <laughs> she was as skinny as she she was because she was such a good southern cook yeah. <laughs> and she put a lot of her love in her food didn't she she did she absolutely did and i know that's kind of not even a i mean it is a, a cliche but like it's just kind of a, a closeness we had was all about food and yeah um her teaching me and stuff like that because my grandmother's also a great cook but i think she kicked my mom out of the kitchen all the time so my mom kind of figured it out on her own though Mm -hmm. she (laughs) but um no but it was very like one of the big holes in my life right now is i always because i love to cook and i spend a couple hours a week cooking normally like on a sunday meal prepping for the week right but um, but I would call my mom in that time and just have like a nice long couple, couple few hour talk while I was cooking and it was very low stress and it was a catch up, but it was also like a hangout. She called it a long distance happy hour, but you know, what oh. I, mean. yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the way you described but, that process of grief, um, it reminds me of. Uh, Stephen Colbert on Anderson Cooper's podcast. And I can't remember if it was Stephen Colbert or Anderson Cooper. Um, But one of them both have experienced great loss. And one of them says that grief is when love doesn't know where to go. 
Yes. Loved that. Yes. And that is exactly the it's the same idea of what I said too, where it's Yeah. And like when it's love that doesn't know where to go, a thing that can make you feel active is to like if you do something nice or something like that, just like if you kind of help yourself be like, This is you putting putting that love somewhere. You know what yeah. I mean? It's also it's always going to it's going to keep generating, but I, it's therapeutic to like let it burst out in different ways. Yeah. And, and I don't I, no, none of us really know what happens after we um, leave this world. However, mm. I do believe, if nothing else, that heaven is here on Earth and heaven is a place that we can create here. And by telling stories and by sharing recipes and by passing on love through food is what a beautiful tribute and what a beautiful way to create heaven for your mom here on earth. And I'm sure it's appreciated by the people that receive that as well. Mm. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's so interesting. Nothing mess, uh, like makes you like question any kind of faith you might have than like really worried about where someone went. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's really lovely. I loved hearing that. Um, but it is funny. There's like a great fear that comes out of people who, and especially in my family, like everyone is, this is the first sudden loss in my family. Like both of my grandfathers are gone, but they were old and lived full lives. And it's a different experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you release that in a different way. Whereas like, when something is taken away from you, you're like, is that it? Like, like some people are like, is that, is it just lights out? Is that all mm -hmm. it is? Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's such a bleak frame of mind. And it does make you question. And like, and I, and even my, and it's so interesting because my dad is, you know, raised in the church and like they go, you know, enough. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, you know, that's not what it's about, but I'm just trying to give some kind of framework for how, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But, um, mm -hmm. um, but I never, I should say it like this. He never introduced the idea to me that he could possibly believe in anything other than like heaven and hell mm. until now where he's like, guys, is, is there something else out there? Cause it does suddenly feel weird to like, and I think it takes a certain loss in your life to be like, okay, well, what, what sure. really happens, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that there have been a lot of interesting conversations around that with my family. And I, and I laugh because my dad and I have a good relationship now, but there is, my mom was definitely the kind of conduit for both of us for years and years and years. Right. And, um, we're kind of laughing because now we're both like, I'll be damned if my dad and I aren't going to have a great relationship out of all of this. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, which is lovely and I should be like happier about it. But I'm like, God bless. You know what I mean? Like I can't, you know. Yeah. It's just funny that it's going to work out that way. Mm -hmm. We never know. It just, it just like opened us up in a way we've talked about things we probably never, ever would have talked about. So it's really, it's interesting. And I sound annoyed with it, which is so ungrateful. I'm very grateful to have growth with my father. But at the same time, I'm like, ugh. Why can't mom be here to enjoy this with us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should have figured this yeah. out earlier and caused her mm. some, uh, 
all of us less stress. But as far as family structure is concerned, I think my mom had a lot of purpose in like being that person. A lot of like displaced stuff with my family right now is everyone called my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone called each other. Right, everyone called right. my mom and mom right. caught everybody up on every on everybody. Yeah. 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 So now we're all like, I guess we're calling each other now. <laughs> and also, like, what a great tribute to your mom on top of passing food to people is yeah, the bond that you have with your dad. She's probably rolling her eyes like you couldn't have done this earlier. But <laughs> right. But what a beautiful tribute. Right. You know, you, you mentioned your you mentioned religion and your father going to church and the difference between going to church and believing in this binary thinking of heaven versus hell versus what he's experiencing now. And it reminds me of this quote I've heard before, which is that um, religion is for people afraid of hell and spirituality is for people who have been to hell and are living to talk about it uh, in order to create mm. a heaven here on earth. And I think that we can experience that through the coming out process. This is why I think so many queer people are so boundlessly spiritual because they have been to hell and they are experiencing now heaven on earth. But I think that in the, which is grief, which is grief. But I think that the loss of a loved one, like a spouse that you've been with, for how long were they together? 33 years. For 33 years. Um, mm -hmm. That, uh, it's not my place to say what that is, but it feels like that would be hell on earth to lose your partner in that way. So of course that opened up a new door to a deeper understanding of the spiritual realm and the invitation to ask questions and to explore more, which is so painful that, I mean, what a beautiful process that you just described and kind of jumping all over. But I'm curious at this point, how only four months out, how is your father doing? I know that your relationship is better, but how's he doing? I think it's really tough. Um, I wonder, I mentioned, it's so funny. I've been very delicate with him in, in regards that like, I think it would be very easy, like week one being like, you you really should like see a therapist or talk to somebody that isn't family and make sure you're taking care of yourself. Uh, you know what I mean? In yeah. that regard. But I've tried to be, I've tried, I've tried to be very cautious because that's just not, um, he's not around a lot of that. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I think, I think being in therapy is like a little taboo for him still, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. part of me is like, this is a devastating, horrible, this is why you go to therapy. This is the like reason you go to therapy that you like don't want to have. You know what hmm. I mean? Hmm. Whereas like, uh, whereas like, you know, we live in like, you live in LA, I live in Chicago and everyone I know has a therapist. You know what I mean? And I think that's really healthy, but it's not that way everywhere. And I don't think there is still a little like ego tied up with that. And sure, I, I, I think um, uh, even just, talking with him and hearing him kind of explore. I, I, he's digging deeper than I think he's ever dug right now, just personally, which I think is really great. And I think after a little more of that work and that time, he might be able to like share it with someone who isn't me. Hmm. I think hmm. there's like a little bit of, um, again, I'm like kind of speaking for him a little right now, but. If I had to guess, I think that that's something that could and hopefully will happen. Hmm. But it's also very, it's still very soon. Like a lot it's of advice he's gotten, 
a lot of advice that he's gotten. And I think this is very generic. And in the year of like getting married and losing a mom, all I hear is generic advice. But, um, but, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) and I mean, never go to bed, never go to bed when you're angry. When I tell you all of that. Yeah, (laughs) I can't, I can't. Cause you know, on the wedding website, people can like, yeah, like we did include the, any, um, words of advice for the couple. Yeah. Yeah. When I, Oh my God. So Can someone you? will hear this. What? I want, I oh, want to hear some of the f- most laughable. I mean, truly a third, I bet a third of them are don't go to bed angry, but then oh, conversely, God. like, an- then like another good friend of ours is like, go to bed angry. Sometimes it's just bad to l- better to sleep it out and talk about it in the morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's really kind of all over the, I just think that for some reason is the one that has permeated through all of relationship land for ever i don't but get it <laughs> i don't know I, I don't get it either please i'm like awesome uh, often this is not to derail a little bit often at the end of the night like people are tired sometimes people it's have been not drinking. the right don't, time to talk about yeah don't talk about it then talk yeah. about it in the morning we've Allow definitely got to, to be a pl- angry yeah we've definitely gotten to a place where we're kind of like if this is something that matters, let's talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Also, you and I learned the hard way because I feel like with us, it's like it was mostly me, but it's like let's talk about it. <laughs> I know, I know. I love talking about my feelings. <laughs> oh my god! Have we met? Oh, I do too. And I, to- I know, I know, I know. I leaned all the way into it too. So, anyway, right. we got out of it. <laughs> but all right. But- but I guess to wrap that up was I, no, I think I think my dad is doing is doing okay, but he is being stared in the face with like a huge gaping presence every night, which um, I think is I think he's in the toughest position out of all of us currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm and I'm noticing his um, his like lack of. And I, I mean, if he heard this, he he would know that I mean this with love. But like, I'm noticing his like kind of lack of drive. Like, I think he's still feeling a little like, what is this new world? I think it's still a little unbelievable because it is. Of course. And um, we haven't had any like big. We were at the we were at the lake at the Fourth of July with some family, and that felt weird because she wasn't there, and everyone was having a moment of like, where is she? And it feels weird. To, for all of us to be in that moment together um though it's very therapeutic to have other people who are feeling that way with you honestly and um but my dad is feeling that way every day which is nerve-wracking hmm. you know what i mean but hmm. we'll, we'll all be at the wedding and you know all these people really recommend being very specific about how you want to honor your parent in your wedding. Cause it's very easy for your wedding to become a very sad day. Yeah. If you're not careful about, um, how you negotiate where you would like to organize your plan, your grief that day. Sure. You know? Sure. Which sounds so silly, but like there's something to it, you know, oh, it doesn't um, sound silly at all. The stakes are high. It's, it's, we put so much, focus and pressure and everything's leading up to that day. Well, and of course to reduce it to, well, my mom would want this or my mom wouldn't Mm, want this, you know? Um, 
you, I would, you know, she would want us to not make our wedding day about her. So yeah, she was very, she was not self-serving. She was very for other people. Right. Right. So. Yeah. We lost, I lost you again. That, by the way, I just want to say, John, that's like the fourth time I've lost you. And the other three times I've just nodded and pretended to be able to hear you. This time we both spoke over each other. I don't know. Something's wrong with the internet. <laughs> Your can mom you hear me really, now? I can hear you now. Your mom really wants to talk. <laughs> She's wait, here. Wait, wait, Eric. I've done, I've done that four times myself. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back and listen to this podcast and just see what's heard and what's oh, not no. heard. My God. Well, that's okay, fine. Right. I don't know. I'm oh, sure God, you said I know something you said, good. <laughs> I'm sure you said something good. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> what did you just say? I need to hear it. Uh, the whole the audience can hear it twice. What did you say? It doesn't matter. Um, I was talking about <laughs> I, I was I was talking about my mom, like kind of reducing it to did you hear that? Yeah, that's what I heard. You heard like yeah, uh, uh, the short version is um not to reduce it to, well, she wouldn't want this or she would want this. Right. I, I do think that she would want us to make our wedding day about us and not about her. I said that okay. better. It was a double neg. It was it's a double fine. negative the first it's fine. time. I, I heard the first part, so I think I knew where you were going. And what I said, audience, sorry if you have to hear this again. I don't know if I'm going to cut some of this out or not. We'll find out. But I said your mom was was not a self serving person. She was very much uh, for other people. Yeah. Um. Well, I can't wait to to hear about the wedding, and I can't wait to see pictures, and I can't wait to, um to talk to you after and to see how you're feeling. Um, as we leave, I have a couple of like lightning round questions for you. Actually, right. I just have two. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it down to two. Um, no, I'll do three. The first question. So this is a series on grief. So just whatever comes to your mind first, the first question is fill in the blank. Death is. Oh, death is. Well, it's weird because death is something if it's not someone you love, like I could make it could be two different sentences for me. I want to say death is just an absence. Mm. Right? But yeah. but I guess that's but I guess that's generic. I guess it's okay. I, can, I guess it's applic it's applicable to even someone who dies that I don't know. It's an absence. It's like a, mm. death is an absence. Yeah, it's fine. I asked Megan the same question. and She goes stupid. <laughs> Death is stupid. <laughs> That's what she said. So yeah. you're good. Absence. Um, but that actually yeah. brings me to it my is. next question. That brings me to my next question. Absence is a great response because I always feel like, you know, grief is the loss of something and the ability to make space for something new, right, wrong, or indifferent. So fill in these two blanks. Um, and if it's too soon, that's okay too. Uh, through this grief, one thing I've lost is blank, and one thing that I have gained is blank. Uh, I mean, because of where I am right now, kind of something that I feel like I've lost is kind of some like carefreeness. Hmm. Um, just because of like that's, I don't know. I'm very much. I've always been a like. It always kind of works out person yeah yeah um and then conversely like someone who's an organizer will be like well it works out because someone else makes it work out but that's okay that's another story <laughs> yeah. um but i think it always works out <clears throat> and um uh so that's the my kind of 
carefreeness about like just like existence hmm. the world I, I just am feeling generally a little more serious about the world not necessarily yeah. a bad way just like i'm just feeling more serious again not sure. negatively necessarily but serious sure. and then um uh and then what have i gained um also i i'll say so again kind of generic but i think i am feeling very grateful for hmm. things and i think i'm using that as like a a coping mechanism to just like find joy in happy places and things like that but i but I am feeling grateful. Like, um, and my one example of that, for some reason, what, whenever it rains and like you can't go outside and you're like in your apartment and you're like, wow, isn't it nice that I like have this apartment and I can like sit in here and look at the rain? Yeah. Like, I just like, that's like always been a thing for me. And I'm, tr I've, I'm having a lot more of those moments. It's like 110 degrees here right now, which it never is in Chicago. And I'm like, kind of sweating right now and i'm like ah oh, but like the air is on and i feel it like a little bit on my like <clears throat> this part of my neck and i'm like it's oh, so nice hmm. you know what a beautiful coping mechanism <laughs> <laughs> i love that answer i'm hearing more yeah. presence more noticing the beauty in the present moment is what i'm hearing hmm. which is all we have well and i think well and part of me too is like i'm like what a I feel like a lot has happened at once where it's like people freak out when they turn 30 and people have not recovered from the pandemic. And I lost my mom and my mother-in-law has stage four cancer. And like, it's all of this stuff kind of at once. Yeah. So I think when, I think when the whole world around you starts to feel really unbelievable in like kind of a bleak way, I think, I think the way I, I even do this when I work, like as an actor or in yeah. any theater capacity where it's like when I'm getting overwhelmed, I like to really slow down <laughs> mm. and instead of getting like tense and manic and racing to the finish line, I like to really slow down and kind of like pick up a piece of furniture or something. <laughs> like, like it just like grounds me and mm. makes me feel grateful for this chair and it like kind of brings me back down to earth. So that's what I think. I think that's always been there for me. Like I said, with the rain, but my, I just am leaning into that, taking my time, and I'm sitting here with my plants, and I'm like, oh, how nice. Mm. John, you sound so good. You sound very grounded right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have one more question, and I'm sorry for not sending you these questions early. <laughs> uh, Please. Tell us, tell us one memory of your mom that you want to share. Well, I'll tell, I'll just tell like kind of the most, most recent one because it like is so many things. Her last trip to Chicago, hmm. she was here because she knew she was going to see Patrick's show. Mm -hmm. um, my brother and sister-in-law who live here in town, um, they had like, uh, my brother had, was like recently graduated from Northwestern and, um, so we had that to celebrate and both of their birthdays and seeing the show and picking out wedding flowers. It was just like very full weekend for all of us. But I think her particularly, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. When she comes up for a show and we like do the dinner and do, hang out and do the thing. You go to the art Institute and do the things you do. But, um, this trip was different. She stayed with us and we're like in a newer, bigger place. And it was like really great being able to host my mom. And yeah. she had done that before once before. So that felt very different. And, um, being able to do all of those things. And then like Saturday night, she was with two of my best friends who she knows well. She's, they've come to the lake in Tennessee and she's been up here and we all hang out and it's wonderful. And it was Lucas, my brother and his wife, mm-hmm. Abby, and my two friends and Patrick and I and my mom. And we were all out and just had like a big night in Chicago. And we were at this kind of like dive bar after a dinner and um, in Andersonville. And uh, we were all like dancing together and like Shania Twain came on. So I can't believe she's coming up twice in this episode. Yay, Shania. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we love Shania. She should be our sponsor. Love, <laughs> listen, I'll go to Vegas. I'll go to Vegas right now. Um, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just like, it's funny that that weekend was kind of a culmination of so many good things for her. She was with her, Son, both her sons and their partners and staying with them and kind of doing wedding stuff and supporting both partners and the sons. And it's just like kind of an overwhelming thought. It's just like very, it's very, we're very lucky that that weekend got to happen because if I, mm. before that, if like, if she hadn't been there that weekend, I wouldn't have seen her since Thanksgiving. Mm. And that would have been crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? But also yeah. a weird thing not to get too like ghosty, but, um, go there. Um, in that, in that, in that trip, you know, she was sleeping in our second bedroom, pull out couch glam. And, um, she, we were getting up early to go see, to go to the burbs to see the show Patrick was in. And I opened the door and she was laying there kind of like, she was always slept kind of like a mummy, which is a little creepy, you know? So she's like kind of laying there like this and I, and you know, kind of spooky so i was like mom mom and she she and she wakes up and she was like what what is it tuesday and she died on tuesday <gasps> isn't that so weird and isn't that's that our weird? show everyone thanks so much for joining i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah well and that, whoa that's the, and that has like stayed with me a long time so I'm glad we got to have that moment because so spooky. But what I really think it was, was she was about to redo her kitchen and the contractor was scheduled for Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I can't miss the contractor for the kitchen. <laughs> or I'll die. Or I'll die. And well, and- shit, it happened. <laughs> Damn it. Oh Damn my it. gosh. That's but, a great story, but- though. <laughs> so I she said was that out loud to i said that out loud to patrick and i was like we have to move i don't know what's going on this is the craziest <laughs> thing yeah <laughs> but then my dad reminded me because he had to like she died that morning tuesday right and yeah. he had to like in the wake of all that call this contractor and be like hey sorry i don't think i'm gonna redo my kitchen my wife died this morning oh my gosh yeah, and like cancel that appointment on that day. So, anyway, those, those are all the but those are all the stories that I love hearing because those are the, like 
that's like the reality of death is like, I need to cancel my appointment because my partner of 30 plus years died. Like it's something that you've never experienced. It's like slice of life meets tragedy. I don't know how other, how else to describe it, but I yeah. feel, 100. tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like it happens all the time. And those are the things that we don't experience until we're experiencing them. No. <laughs> And even like new thing, new bouts of grief to bring it back to my dad come up because he's like, he's like, oh, I haven't booked a plane ticket in 35 years. Because my mom always did that. Yeah. So he's like doing stuff like that. He's like figuring, I think it makes him feel like kind of not with it, which is another layer on top of being be, grieving. You know what I mean? And of course, yeah. figuring out who you are. For- yeah. Yeah. He's like, I guess I'm going to go to the grocery store. I was like, Dad, you haven't like gone to the grocery in over 30 years? He was like, no. See, I feel like I'm, John, I feel like I'm in the opposite boat. Is like, I'm, <laughs> I'm 37. It's like, I don't know how to sustain a relationship anymore because like, I'm so used to doing everything on my own. <laughs> like, I'm right. I know. Oh, you God. can do I, it. I tell you what, Patrick and I are the most individual people, I think, I know, and it, we're, we're, it's working out all right. So. Well, this is why... There's, there's hope. This is why being gay is awesome, is we kind of, like, rewrite the rules for ourselves. Like, what? there is no quote-unquote man to do this or woman to do this. Like, two dudes just figuring it out. What works, what doesn't. But, and it forces us to communicate. <laughs> but did I try... Did we get our wedding suits this past weekend? And I tried it on, and I'm wearing, like, kind of a light linen kind of summery suit and I'm shorter than he is. And I was like, I look like the bride. God bless. I have to get over. <laughs> well, it's probably because you have a but veil. I, well, it is the veil. I cut He's the kidding. veil, <laughs> but, um, but I had to check my own ego on that and be like, John, to your point, being gay is awesome and I can wear whatever the hell I want. You can do whatever you want. Are you going to get your nails done? I see that your nails are chipped. By the way, I've been like picking at mine. They're not great right now. I need Did to you say off. they're chipped to your my, audience? Yeah, Unbelievable. Well, well, look at them. They're going to see them. <laughs> this is this, They used to be Barbie nails, and now they're the weird Barbie nails. Oh, I thought you were calling mine out. I was like, no. yes, I know they're chipped. Eric. Well, you just called you out, John. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did say they were. I saw that you were just yeah. but I can't. I yeah. can't. Anyway, are you yeah. doing your nails? Or are you going nude? I'll go nude. Oh. Actually, just actually fully nude for the wedding is probably good. The right yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't wait. And now I really can't wait to see pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be super exactly. fun. Just anyway, us, not anyone else. Yeah. Both of our moms are listening to this conversation and rolling their eyes <laughs> in their in their own way. Um. <laughs> John, it's been such a pleasure. I'm literally, I need to stop picking my nails. It's been such a pleasure. I'm going to go take this nail polish off for real before I keep picking at it compulsively. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. And I can't wait to have you on again because I know it's going to happen at some point. Oh, I feel all the same ways. And I'll, Yay. I'll talk to you very soon. Okay, Probably don't Marco leave. Polo in yeah. Okay. Well, don't please. don't leave. You stay right there. Yeah, Marco Polo. We'll talk, but don't leave. Everyone else, um, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and we will see you next time. Bye. All right, my friends. That's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Great Unbecoming, and if you did, please share this on your social media and tag me, Eric Feltus. That's Eric Feltus on Instagram and Facebook, and Eric on TikTok. 
And to make sure you don't miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts and go ahead and give us a five-star review. Your ratings and reviews are really the fuel that keep us going, and we're so grateful for your support. And of course, check out this episode and all episodes on our YouTube channel at Life Coaching by Feltus. And finally, don't forget to go to www.lifecoachingbyfeltus.com and sign up for our email list and stay up to date on everything that's coming up and going on in our shame-free community. I will see you next time. And until then, know that in this space, you are always seen, supported, and celebrated. Bye for now.